Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Conversation. I'm Bethany Gilbert and I'm here with Pastor Bob Thune and Pastor Dusty White of Quorum Deo Church. Every Wednesday we sit down to talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ connects to the questions and issues of everyday life and today we're talking about Matt Chandler Schadenfreude. Man, that's amazing German. Good job. I am part German. Yeah. Let me read the definition of Schadenfreude from Wikipedia. Schadenfreude is the experience of pleasure, joy, or self-satisfaction that comes from learning of or witnessing the troubles, failures, or humiliation of another. It is a borrowed word from German with no direct translation that originated in the 18th century. Uh, it's a combination of a word that means joy and a word that means damage. Yeah. So it's like joy at someone else's harm or... It's like letting me punch you and smile at the same time. Yeah. Um, and, and here, I have had so many different people say, hey, are you guys going to do a podcast on, you know, the Matt Chandler stuff? And so this is, okay, sure. This is our podcast on, quote unquote, the Matt Chandler stuff. And what, it I, is. what I want the world to hear is, why is there so much schadenfreude out there? Why are there so many of you people who really want to delight in misfortune or root for drama or demise. Um, mm. So it's a good, good question. Yeah, that's kind of the angle we're going to take, uh, you, you know, some people, so I think there's a few things going on. Some people who have asked me to talk about this are like, you know, maybe do I have like some inside info? Cause I, you know, I'm connected to Acts 29. Is there like more, is there like more to the story? Did Chandler text you? I have no more data than anyone else has. I have read the same press releases and things that anyone else has read. Um, all right. So, so there you go. I don't have any additional information. Um, I'll, I'll clue you in on sort of the, the backstory here of, you know, what happened. And then I just want to talk about like, Hey, what should we see here? What should we be celebrating here? And where, where might we need to be rebuked here? Mm, I have thoughts as well. Yeah, I'm sure you do. All right. So on August 28th, uh, the village church announced, um, and, and Matt Chandler, who's the, the teaching pastor there, lead pastor there, um, got up and basically the, what they announced was, uh, that, um, there was some concern about his use of private messaging on social media with a person um, that was brought to the elders. I'm, I'm looking at the statement right now. Here's what the village church said. The village church elders concluded that though Matt was not involved in a romantic relationship with this woman in this messaging, he failed to live up to the standard of conduct expected of a church elder. As a result, the village church announced this morning the elders are putting Matt on a leave of absence from preaching, during which he'll focus on growing in the areas of life, his life and walk that contributed to this behavior. Um, sorry, that's from Acts 29's um, statement, not the village church's statement. Uh, here's what the village church's statement says. Uh, in this case, while the messages were not romantic or sexual in nature, the frequency and familiarity of the messages crossed the line. They revealed that Matt did not use language appropriate for a pastor and that he did not model a behavior that we expect from him. While the elders believe that this did not rise to the level of disqualification, we do hold elders to a higher standard of behavior. The elders concluded and Matt agreed that Matt's behavior was a sign of unhealth in his life and that the best course of action would be for him to take a leave of absence from preaching and teaching at the village church. Now, uh, here, <laughs> so there's another article that says this. So this all came out at the end of August. Here's what everybody has speculated. Everybody and their dog immediately did like a discernment blog piece about this. Tell me more. Tell I me read real story. I read none of those because I was so frustrated with like, well, here we go. Because everybody's going to want to like assume that there's more to the story. So 
<laughs> there's another article that says speculation has run mainly two ways. Either Chandler and elders at the village church have no capacity to allow a man to have a normal conversation with a woman to whom he is neither married to nor sexually involved with, or there's a lot more to the story than is being told. So some large percentage of evangelical blogginess or online people have assumed there must be more to the story. They're, they're like, you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg and we're going to find out more and listen. I understand why people would think that because we've, <laughs> we've been around long enough to know Man, that's frequently the case, right? So uh, the reason I've said nothing about this for a few months is just because I've been trying to sort of just wait and pray and say, like, is there more to the story here? To to our knowledge, to my knowledge, there's not. Uh, nothing else has come out about this. In fact, the stuff that has come out has been um, even more like, yeah, actually there was not, the, the messaging here had nothing romantic in it. It was like, joking about an alcoholic beverage or something like it was like yeah. it was like the uh, uh, uh you know there was nothing here that would have implied maybe there's more going on okay but immediately that's what people assumed um and so here's here's what's as i've reflected on this um and i want to say before i say this hey look if there's more to the story i'm sure that will come out and if there is, then maybe my opinion here would change. I'm going with, again, the same data that we all have, which is just what's been communicated by the village church. And here's what I want all the Christians listening to this podcast to understand and see. Here's a guy who, had, who made some mistakes and did some things that were unwise. Here's a church that took that seriously and some elders who stepped in, did the work, in fact, in the message from the Village Church, it says the elders commissioned an independent law firm to conduct a review of Matt's messaging history across social media platforms, cell phone, and email. Yeah. I mean, that's some elders doing some work. That's not guys being like, hey, man, did you do anything weird there? Okay, cool, thanks. They're like, hey, you know what? Let's get a law firm, and let's hand over some devices, and let's just do it. I mean, that's a pretty deep response. And then here's a local church pastor who is submitted to his elders. And who's yeah. getting up in front of his church and saying, guys, I'm in submission to the elders. They've asked me to take a leave of absence from preaching. That's what I'm doing. And what I want to say is, um, that sounds really good and biblical to me. Yeah. Sounds How like that what should happen. is going down. Um, there is some portion of evangelicalism out there that sort of seems to want to root for people's demise and that wants to sort of read every story as another iteration of the same story. And I know we're on the backside of Mark Driscoll and Bill Hybels and Ravi Zacharias. And there's a, there's a plenty of stories in the rearview mirror sure. that would cause you when you hear the first overtones of something like this to go up, oh, I know how this is going to go. But I just want to say, friends, this certainly seems to be a local church doing what a local church should do, some elders doing what elders should do, and a pastor who's actually submitted to his elders. If I can remind you of the Mars Hill story, that Mark Driscoll happen. resigned instead of submitting to his elders, right? His elders were ready to put him on a leave of absence, and he was like, you know what, I'm just going to bail. Here's a pastor, Matt Chandler, who's saying, you know what? I'm going to do whatever the elders ask me to do. And in a situation that from all apparent circumstances, actually there was no sin here. It sounds like, I mean, the word that, that is used in the, um, in the statement is 
unwise. And I think that's the word I would use. Like you apparently had some unwise decision-making here. Yeah. Unguarded and unwise. Yeah. It does not seem like, um, there was sin here. And so, and even they said it, this does not rise to the level of disqualification. What it does is we hold elders to a higher standard and this doesn't quite meet that standard. And so this is a sign of unhealth. So the, even the language being used here is, you know what, here's a lack of wisdom. Here's a guy that's willing to say, Hey, you know what, if that's what the elders are seeing, I want to submit to their leadership. (laughs) I just want to say, Hey, isn't that what, if every church acted like this, and if every pastor was in submission to the elders of his church like this, I think we'd feel pretty, I personally would feel pretty good about that. Yeah. That'd be pretty nice. Um, so it's, it's funny to me that people are like, Hey, are you going to talk about that? I was like, well, there's literally nothing to talk about. I mean, <laughs> the elders did their job, mass in submission, the elders. I don't know what more you want me to say. Like, I don't know if people are like, Hey, can you give like a, can you give an angle on that? Like, do you got, do you got an analysis What do you think the real that? story is? Yeah. What's the real deal here? You know what? Uh, sure. looks like a healthy church practicing a healthy, um, kind of accountability here. And look, the village church is a big church and an influential church. And, you know, anytime a church is big and has a lot of influence in a city, you know, this stuff always gets traction and people, you know, there's all kinds of ways people want to see things go and whatever. And everybody could armchair quarterback this from their own point of view and be like, well, I mean, here's what they should have done or why did they do it this way or what they do there? That's kind of like us sitting around dusty and being like, well, you know, I don't like to play calling in Nebraska on third and five last week. It's just like, it's what sports radio does. It's like, okay, great. But at the end of the day, I'm not on the field. (laughs) I I I don't work for that. I have no qualifications to be on the field. I can sit here all day and prognosticate about what, you know, maybe could have happened or should have happened. But as I read the Bible, I sure see a lot of health here in what the village church has done and in how Matt Chandler has responded. And, um, I see two things out there in the water among Christians and that I just want to name and call out as we talk about this. One is the sin of presumption or assumption, just the quickness to assume like there must be more to the story. And again, I understand where that instinct comes from. And I realize we, a lot of us have good reasons when we read a story like this to go, okay, there's gotta be more here, but the sin to presume and assume, Oh, I know what's really going on here. Let me write about it. Let me blog about it. Let me tweet about it. Let me, you know, make a video about it. I just think this is one of those places where it's like, hey, you know what's great? What'd be great is just to like not say anything, pray for the people involved and celebrate that a local church seems to be following the Bible. So there's a sin of presumption or assumption. And then also just the sin of gossip. Like I, I just think... It's like the Christian way of gossip. It's like a Christian celebrity tabloid where it's like, oh, here's a really famous, well-known pastor who had, you know, apparently has been asked to take a leave of absence. Let's talk about that. And uh, if you want to know why pastors don't have longevity, it's, it's because of the tendency people have to just want to like pile on in a moment like this and be like, oh, you know, here's what's really going on. Or let's talk about this. Um, it's, it would just be wonderful if the church in this moment would be like, oh, you know what, man, I'm sad to read that that happened. Uh, you know, man, I think uh, too bad he was unwise in that situation. I, I want to learn what I can from that. And then praise the Lord that a, that a, a body of elders did what they should have done and that a pastor is in submission to those elders. To quote one of our deacons, he would say, are you going to pray for him or just judge the crap out of him? <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, seriously, like that is the knee jerk, right? Just like, like you're, like you're saying, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop here. Like what's the real story? What's the other angle? I read one article that just frustrated me. And I ended up talking to my wife for about 10, she just ended up listening to me for about <laughs> 10 minutes. On it, Cause I was just like, this is what's so frustrating to me about this. But some of the things Chandler got up and said to his own church, which I, you know, that's a rough Sunday. Yeah. First of all, the elders, you know, I'll tell you what else is going on. The elders are trying to figure out what's best for their church, what's best for Chandler and his wife and his family. The whole elder room is feeling that that night before. And then Chandler gets up and says stuff like it was unguarded and unwise. He said stuff like it revealed something unhealthy in me. We cannot be a church where anyone is above the scriptures and above the high heavenly call into Christ Jesus. The word of God holds me to a certain standard and I fell short. Those are all really good, godly things to be getting up and saying to your church. Then I read one. I went down the rabbit hole a little bit in preparation for this podcast, which, by the way, had not read anything until we decided to do this. And one article I read was, well, Chandler getting up there to do that is him controlling the narrative. And that's just ridiculous that he got to do that and stood next to Patterson and did that. That's him controlling the narrative. I'm like, what do you want? Like the guy gets up there, owns it yeah, and says, look. The Bible holds me to a standard. I fell short. Yeah. That's <laughs> so to me, I'm like, how do you win here? Yeah. You don't. like what's, what's grace look like? What's mercy look like? What's prayer going to look like? What's restoration look like when, when we're just kind of blogging about rooting for demise, as you would say. Well, and what is it like to be Matt getting up there and owning this stuff and knowing, I guarantee you, he knew, Hey, people are going to assume 700 things that are totally untrue. Like, so here I am standing up and saying, Hey, I was unwise in this. And everybody's going to sort of take that narrative and run with it and assume all kinds of things. And that's just a hard place to be as a leader to say, like, I know that everybody is going to assume that something more is going on here. Something different is going on here. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I just feel like, man, I would rather, I wish we had a culture in evangelicalism where we could celebrate, hey, here's a guy that seems like he's trying to own some stuff and repent of what he needs to repent of. That seems like a win. That's, let's, let's believe it. That seems like what we wish would be happening frequently across the spectrum of, of Christianity. And man, I celebrate this brother and I celebrate these elders. And, and uh, again, assuming that this is all the data there is, that's a great... Um, a great expression, it seems to me, of a concern for biblical integrity. Um, so I, this is a little bit of like, <laughs> you can tell what I'm doing with this podcast is, sure, we'll talk about the Matt Chandler thing, <laughs> and I'll use it as a way to say, why did you want us to talk about the Matt Chandler thing? Because there's not much here to talk about. Um, I, well, uh, I, think, I think what's hard here is, I think one of the reasons that people want to know more or hear more or wait for the other shoe to drop, or maybe not even, maybe not even have hope for this situation for the village or for Chandler, even though he's admitting like, man, to be honest, I feel really stupid. I feel dumb. I feel like the, the weight is on our staff in some unnecessary ways. He says all that stuff. But I think one of the reasons that we're waiting is because it's like the Christian justification of gossip. Yeah. And it's, it's, I shouldn't be gossiping. But it's this, it's this excuse to let this, honestly, this little sinful piece of my heart out and that can compound my cynicism, which the enemy loves. Rather than move towards trust, rather than move towards hope, I could just remain 
further, I can distance myself further from the church. Mm. It's one more church that excuse for me to distance myself yeah. from other leaders and then therefore from the church and then therefore from the Lord. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one reason I'm, <laughs> it's one reason I hate the celebrity, uh, the celebrity pastor thing, for sure. lack of a better word, you know, or the, the, the evangelical sort of fascination with people who are out there in the public sphere, because it just, it just feels like, man, there's no way to be a public figure in a moment like this and not have 72 bloggers vamping on their opinion on what happened. And it is interesting to me that that's, it just feels like, yeah, it's a justification of the sin of gossip. Like you said, we could just, we could just pray and trust the Lord and be faithful in our own local church and try to walk with Jesus, you know, instead, instead of having to open the celebrity tabloid and see what the latest report is. Um, so, you know, Matt, Matt is a personal friend. I know him. Um, and I, you know, my Wait, wife, he hasn't texted you to tell you the real story. <laughs> he hasn't. T- and I haven't texted him to ask the real story because I just love the dude. I'm like, man, he's, you know, I yeah. don't, I don't need to be the guy that's like, Hey man, what really happened? I interrupted you. Sorry. No, but, uh, and you know, I realize I have enough cynicism in me to go like, man, I don't know anybody's heart. Like I, at the end of the day, I realize that I can't look into the soul of any other human being, but I'll tell you like every interaction I've had with this dude is like, he's a stand up guy. Like what, what you saw him do in front of his church is the guy he is. He's just a guy that's going to own it. He's going to try to walk with Jesus. He's not perfect. He knows he's not perfect, but he's also not, you know, in the mold of like a Mark Driscoll where he's, you know, in it for himself. I mean, he just, I know him to be a person of integrity. So and when I know a person and I feel like have, I've only experienced this person as a person of integrity. I just want to, I just want to assume, I want to give them the presumption of innocent until proven guilty and a person of integrity, unless they show me that they're not, you know, and occasionally people show that they're not. And so, uh, you know, that's, I, again, I realize that there's a flinch here that we kind of have, um, based on past situations that have felt similar. Um, but even my wife, when we were talking about this, she's just like, man, like, I just know Matt to be a person of integrity. Like I, I have, I have zero, uh, instinct or inclination that there's something more here than what's being told just because like, we know this guy and you know, that's the kind of person he is. He's the kind of person who is going to submit to his elders. He's going to own what he needs to own. And he's going to go above and beyond for the sake of, uh, the integrity of the gospel. And, and that's really, you know. So again, I can't, I, I realize I can't look into the soul of another human being, but I do have to, in the moment say like, yeah, but I actually know this person and I've always experienced them to be a person of integrity. So I don't have, <laughs> I don't have any reason to like go hunting for a deeper narrative, you know? And if, and when the day comes of him being restored, you know, back into the village as the lead guy, and there's still going to be haters mm-hmm. that are going to say like, how dare them? you know, uh, like how dare him, how dare them. And so that stuff's always going to exist. So I do think Bob, you and I have dealt with, you know, people throwing some stones on a much smaller scale, obviously. And so I do want to say like to other pastors, churches, leaders listening in, there is a sense of resiliency that you do have to have in these moments. Um, yeah. I read Charles Spurgeon, you know, who lived in a whole different era, you know, 
and man, he, he used to talk about being slandered in the media. I mean, you know, it's like he's in London in the 1800s. It was like, well, it was the same deal. There was just no internet back then. But, you know, he got people slandering him. And, and so this is a little bit of, there is, there is a need for like, love the Lord, pursue integrity, you know, be faithful as a human being and expect that like somebody's going to slander you anyway. You can't stop that from happening. And, um, and my longing, my, my wish for the Christian community is that we would have a, a disposition that says, Hey, until other facts come out, we're just going to take the facts we have and, and, you know, trust and pray and believe the best about people. Because I, I do think there's, there's a cynicism and a gossip tendency that wants to assume the worst. So if yeah. you think about the difference between believing the best and assuming the worst, believing the best is, you know what? I don't have a reason not to believe the best until something proves that I'm wrong there. Assuming the worst is there's probably more going on here and it's probably the worst possible scenario. And so it seems like there's a lot of people that kind of want to default to assume the worst. And I just, that's just not a new Testament way of thinking about um, the people of God, right? The, the impulse of the new Testament is, um, right. Love bears all things, believes yeah. all things, hopes all things, endures all things. There's a, there's a, there's an assumption of, I want to believe the best about the people of God. And man, you know, there's a, in Dick Kaiser's book on cynicism, he says, one of the reasons we fall into cynicism is because we have been guilty of naivety. You know, it's like you believed the best about somebody and then it actually came out that that wasn't true. And you felt like you'd been duped or like you had been naive or, um, you know, you, you'd been like the wool been pulled over your eyes. And so he says, what that creates is this tendency to swing to the opposite extreme and just assume that there's like a, a dark cloud behind every silver lining, you know? Right. And he, he just says hope, uh, biblical hope is a, a disposition, a choice to continue believing the best about human beings, not in a naive way that says, people are perfect, but in a way that says there is hope in the world. The spirit of God is at work in the world. There really are good people in the world. Uh, you know, everything's not as terrible as it could be, or it might be. And, and so that invitation in the new Testament to be a person of hope who believes the best. Uh, I, I just wish that our tribe in Christianity could could have a hopeful posture. And, and in moments like this, could be like, cool, let's celebrate a church doing what it seems like a church should do, a pastor submitting to his elders. There seems like there's a lot to celebrate here. And unless there's more to the story that we don't know that comes out later, praise the Lord. Yeah. All I know is, man, I hope that if I do something stupid and confess about it, that I have more people praying for me and rooting for my hope than my demise. Yeah. You know? That would be nice, right? That would be nice. I don't plan More on people. it. <laughs> I don't plan. I'm not planning on it, but man, that, that like, that's what this kind of stuff stirs in me is like, geez, like, is there any hope? Like, yeah. I mean, I don't want to go do the dumb things either, but I'm just saying, man, let's get hopeful. Bethany, does this strike you any differently? The first thing that I thought of immediately was like, shoot, am I allowed to text my pastors? Yeah, no. Because I was like, <laughs> I guess I can't have don't text me a gift a friendship right. <laughs> with my brothers in Christ like at all I just immediately became worried that like oh 
like I have just have to yeah I just probably shouldn't do that that was the first thing that came to my mind but well I do think there this is that's a really interesting point because I think there's a there's um an added layer of complexity here because of that right because there's there's a I want to have with friends in my church who are women a sisterly kind of relationship where it's like the kind of friendliness and banter that's appropriate to a brother sister relationship right. without doing things that are unwise and, and right. And, and things that, and, and the challenge with technology is it always puts both those things on the table, right? There's like, I could text you a funny meme tomorrow and it would just be Bob texting Bethany a funny meme. Probably if I did that every night, uh, you know, be like weird. we would be crossing <laughs> a line. We're like, uh, you know what? That's kind of weird. So there is this added, um, you know, in the past, People did not have to ask questions of like, what is an appropriate technologically mediated relationship with another human being? That's just a newer question. And so I think it is, it does create complexities in situations like this, because there's not a Bible verse that says like, here's, here's what a appropriate technologically mediated text messagey relationship would look like. And it, it requires a lot of wisdom and, you know, like anything, there's ways we can fall off the horse on either side of like, well, I guess I can't ever text anyone again who's in ministry because you know, yeah. right. it, it might be bad in someone's eyes or the side of the horse where we fall off in, in maybe overly familiarity things that, that cross a, a boundary that we shouldn't cross, you know, into something that feels um, like it's like it's inappropriate and in, in a certain way. Right. I think the other thing that I thought of immediately was um, people who tend to read their church hurt into every big mm. church mm. story. Um, and how, when you do that, well, I don't know. And basically I feel like our Christians or evangelicals in America, our view of like forgiveness and rec like restoration is just so we like, it's almost minuscule now we just don't even have a good vision for it because we're like no it's not going to happen or uh I don't want to see that pastor restored mm. like I just I don't really I was trying to think of like man I really I found myself kind of being like oh gosh of course here we go and then also like I don't want to I don't want to think I don't want to think that way I want to assume the best I want to pray for him and pray that like yeah I really and have the hope that I really do hope he's restored to his position um and like you said unless we find other things out but I just I feel like we Christians do not have that view anymore even I don't know I'm like even myself it's just something that's slipping away mm. and I don't necessarily know how we go about <laughs> getting that back other than practicing it. But I just feel like we're always going to be met with those people who are just like, Nope, get them out <laughs> there. You, you, you talked about people reading their church hurt into stories. And I, I think that's a real thing and a real problem. Um, and you know, I don't, there are, there have been people already who have said like, Oh, this is, just, you know, here's Acts 29 part two or part three of like, you know, there was the Mark Driscoll thing back in, you know, happened 10 years ago, but the, the podcast came out more recently. So it's like, I've had people ask me about that, uh, rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast. Like, man, I was just doing a wedding recently and a guy was like, Hey, so I listened to that podcast, man. What, what was that like for you? And I was like, 
dude, it was 10 years. I lived through all of that yeah. 10 years ago. Like it was, it's not fresh for me. It's a decade ago. Yeah. But anyway, my name is Bob. Yeah. But anyway, the, uh, people are already trying to sort of like match this narrative up with that one. And I just would say they're two totally different narratives in one you had a pastor who literally left his post rather than submitting to his elders. And in this one, you have a pastor who's stepping down for a leave in submission to his elders because they've said, that's what we think is the right thing to do. It's like the exact opposite of the story. You know, it's a, it's a mirror image, not, not at all the same thing. And so when people sort of want to line up, you know, they, they want to throw a whole church planting network under the bus or a whole group of pastors under the bus to say, well, you know, this just represents how things go in this sort of stream or tribe of Christianity. Um, that's just real frustrating because I feel like, yep, yeah, that's not, that's actually not the case. Um, you're, you're reading a story there. That's not the story that that's here. If this was a let's pile on Matt Chandler podcast, it would get, tons of traffic yeah we get some clicks the fact that it's a podcast that's like hey let's celebrate a church that seems like they did the right thing we're gonna get i guarantee you there's gonna be people who like oh you guys are just like replicating the narrative it's gonna you know a podcast like this what are you guys hiding is not out there in moments like this and that's part of why i feel compelled to put this out there because i think uh, again acknowledging that I'm not an insider to this situation and don't know all the details. I'm just reading the same statements everyone else is. I just want to say like, Hey, could we just say, cool. seems like they did the right thing instead of all the piling on that says, well, maybe there's more to the story. And what if this other thing happened? And you know, isn't this just another version of the, you know, Mark Driscoll, blah, 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 blah. There there's a hundreds of those things out there. There's very few people going, Hey, Let's celebrate a local church that seems to be operating like a local church should. Let's celebrate a guy who seems to have the integrity to say, you know what? I, d- I don't think I crossed any lines of sin, but man, you know what? If my elders feel like this was unwise, I'm submitted to that. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's funny to me that this podcast is already probably going to receive negative feedback just because it's not piling on the way people wish would happen or some people wish would happen. And so I'm with you. Let's, let's, um, try to fight for um, integrity and joy and a sense of like celebrating when people actually do what everybody always says. I wish somebody would do this. I wish there was a leader who's well known who would take responsibility for stuff and, you know, submit to their elders. Oh, that happened. Well, you know what? There's probably more to the story. That's that can't be the whole story. Um, it's a lose lose for, for many of us leaders. And uh, that's not a fair predicament to, to put people in or to put churches in. And it's not a thing we should, um, we should do as Christians. We ought to to have the um, hope, integrity, and um, and sense of forgiveness to say, "Cool, let's celebrate what's going on here, and let's um, let's rejoice in a church that seems to be taking as best it can uh, the right approach to a situation and a pastor who seems to be taking responsibility." A goal of this podcast is to equip our own church for discipleship and mission. So if you're a Christian or a church leader in another context, we thank you for listening in. We pray that this conversation might be helpful to you as you minister in your context. We love to hear from listeners. So if you have thoughts, questions, or future podcast topics, send an email to podcast at cdomaha.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next Wednesday for another episode of the Wednesday Conversation.